are back after a long break. Yeah. <laughs> As you guys know, we are two hustling mamas, so yes, we are. we're quite busy. Welcome back to Positively Mommin, episode seven. Episode seven. Lucky number seven. Yeah. And I guess that suits what the yep. theme is gonna be today then. Mm-hmm. We're gonna you're gonna get to know all about Jen and I today. We're gonna get deep. Yep. Talk about some good stuff. Um, talk about us because we really haven't shared a lot with you guys. And so some of you know us mm-hmm. who listen, but there's quite a few new listeners who don't. Right. As I've been tracking it. So today we'll spend some time um, basically interviewing each other so that you guys get to know why we decided to do this and kind of where it all started, where it all began. So um, yeah, so let's get started. We'll get right into our. High five, cake five, because we're going to have a lot to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to start? All right. I always start. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> always put me right on the spot. <laughs> I'm like, you, okay, you here we go. go. Yes, you go first you today. Yes, okay. you go first okay. today. <laughs> I'll start. <sighs> okay, so there's a, we haven't been on in a while, so I feel like I have like a ton of yeah. high fives, take fives to share as we pod, but I'll kind of keep it to the most recent, so... My, I'll start with my take five. So, um, if any of you guys are my like friends on Facebook, just with Andrea, I'll share something that happened to me recently that I think is worth sharing on our pod too. So, um, I have um, a really good friend who I work out with who um, was diagnosed with breast cancer uh, a year ago in April. Actually, I remember because it was my birthday. Um, and she was supposed to meet us for dinner that night and she didn't end up responding to it, which was not like her. And she texted me later to tell me why. And she's 36, I believe, um, you know, 35, 36 at the time, um, and was diagnosed with breast cancer and went through a full mastectomy, went through all that and is still working through her chemo treatments and, um, brave, brave person and, um, super brave to share it because, uh, you are very vulnerable during that time. And I don't think you really want anyone to pay attention or notice, um, you, I think you probably feel like you stick out. So she did share it and has been sharing it. She's got a great Facebook page and, um, and so when I turned 40, I said, I better go get a mammogram. And I think I kind of, I've always secretly been afraid to do it. And um, because I found out at 40 that my grandmother, who I'd always thought had passed away of ovarian cancer at a super young age, she was 43, I believe, um, actually passed away of breast cancer. And that put a fear in me that um, a little bit, but I scheduled it. And a couple of weeks ago, I went in, I posted it, I posted it on our page, um, you know, saying, hey, I went in, got my tatas checked, like, <laughs> go do it. Um, and why this is my take five is because I kind of just went in, Jen, just to go. Like, first time. Check the box. Yeah, check the box mm-hmm. and say it's done. And my doctor is fantastic, and she said before she did my examination first, right, like my annual and my own, like, breast examination, and everything's good, and she's like, 
listen, I see that you're going in for your mammogram today right after this, and I just want to share a couple of things. Like, first of all, this is a baseline scan. That means that you're going to be, they're going to thoroughly scan you, and you've opted for the 3D, which I highly recommend, and, um, you know, it is not uncommon. She said it is actually very common that we call people back. And I said, oh, okay, well, why? She's like, well, we call people back because we don't have anything to compare it to. So we need to just check everything. And we're going to be very thorough this first scan. So, okay, Jen, I'm like, okay, sure. No problem. Went in, got my scan. Didn't think anything of it. And a week later, I am in Rochester, New York at the airport. And I get a phone call. And it's her nurse and she told me that they had seen something on my right side that they wanted me to come back in like as soon as I could. And she started talking about a lot of stuff that honestly I didn't hear a word because I was like, what just happened? Yeah. And I, she said, do you have any questions? And I said, yeah, I need you to repeat everything you just said. Because I didn't get past, like, what the first thing you said, because I zoned out of immediate stress. Like, my heart dropped immediate stress. And so then, when I did pay attention, she said that um, there's some great articles on breast density. I would highly recommend you read them. And so I'm telling all of you guys that I would highly recommend, if you before you do your first scan, that you get educated on, on like, breast tissue and all things about that. Um but we, all of our breasts are also different, and um, uh, they saw some, you know, I had some breast density that they wanted to explore more, and that they'd seen a couple of spots on my right side, and that they'd also seen some, like, spreading. And so they wanted me to come in to get that part rechecked, and that I would get an ultrasound and a scan. Um, and the next available date was a week later. So... I'm a pretty calm person, like, um, and I am positive. Uh, but this definitely took me like to a place I can't remember ever, ever really being. Um, and the reason why is because you, I waited a week. Yeah. You know, I waited a week, and a lot of time with your thoughts. A lot, yeah, a lot of time with my thoughts, and like a lot of uh you know, the woulda, coulda, shouldas, um, a lot of like, oh my gosh, what if this happens? And that was on Wednesday, Thursday. And on, by Sunday, it had marinated enough that I almost like had a full-blown panic attack on Sunday. Like, I have not had a panic attack since I was 19 years old. Um, I remember that panic attack because I was with my best friend in our college apartment and I was failing out of school. I couldn't pay my rent. Um, I wasn't getting enough hours at work. Like, it's like all the things. And I remember this feeling that I'd never had before. And anyway, so I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel that coming off. So it's like 6.30 at night. I ran up to our room and just sat, you know, in our bedroom for a minute. Just And I just started bawling. You know, like, and... I was like, okay, I need to, like, accept these feelings. Like, I need to accept this fear. The hardest part for me was the fear. Like, mm-hmm. I did not want to accept it. 
I was like trying everything because I am a positive person to push that away in the corner of my mind and say, it's okay. Yeah. Like, it's okay. But it's not okay. Wasn't okay. I didn't feel great. I didn't feel good. Like, and then everything about my body hurt and I questioned everything and um, I just had to accept that I, like, I just had to accept that I couldn't control it, Mm -hmm. that I was afraid and that it was okay, that I was feeling like all of those things. So, um, I took, so went through that for a week and then I took the day off on Thursday and went in for my scan and they only scanned the right side and they said, well, we'll see, um, if we need to do an ultrasound, but probably not. Well, then I had to have the ultrasound. And then the next thing in, you know, the ultrasound was like, okay, you know, I'll probably come back and you'll be gone. Um, or worst case scenario is doctor will come in. So doctor comes in and I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is like no control. I have no control over any of this. Like not one positive thought is saving a day for me today. You know what I mean? Like I was literally at the point of despair. I was by myself um, just because I also first time just thought, well, I didn't know what was going to happen. They're like, well, you will know today. Like you will have answers today. And I'm like, huh, probably should have brought Kenny. (laughs) Yeah. A second set of ears. (laughs) Second set of ears. So um, after very long tests and tests and rescans and more scans and all this stuff, doctor comes back and he starts and he starts with saying that they found some cysts and um, that they're going to need me to come back in. And I didn't hear anything else after that um, because I pretty much lost it, you know, like um, just trying to keep it together. And I'm like, what is going on? And he he's like, okay, do you have any questions? And I said again, okay, I need to come back. And you've found cysts. Are they cancers? Like, I don't even want to say that word, yeah. you know. And um, he's like, I'm sorry. I should have started with that. No, they're not. We need they to. Yeah. Like, he's like, we need to. Um, there's several, and we need to monitor them. And you're going to need to come back in six months. And there might have to be removed. But right now, they're so small that we're not seeing that unless they're causing great discomfort, which, based on what you've told us, you're only feeling discomfort at certain times. And so right now, you know, this is where we're at. And um, he said, it's not uncommon for breast. It's not uncommon for cysts, like these kinds of tiny cysts, especially if you breastfed, especially if, um, you know, breastfeeding was difficult. Like he, he walked me through a lot of things. So did my doctor. They were all amazing. Um, but, you know, I've got through all of that and then I literally felt like I didn't breathe until I got into my car you know like I got into my car and I just like let it all out and I cried and I and I immediately thought of like every single person that goes through this which there's a lot there's a lot of women who go through this who don't hear that and I felt very humbled that I needed like I just immediately prayed that's just me anyway but um, for those women, um, but also for myself, my, um, just because I, it was like the scariest thing I've ever been through, like right. in a, 
in a ever actually. Yeah. Um, cause you, I think you just, well, I don't know. I think, you know, um, mortality, like as you know, like when you have young kids, like you just don't want to talk about that stuff. It's funny though. Interesting though. I was raised to talk about it. Maybe it's because we're Catholic. I don't know. (laughs) My mom and I joke about that. But it's just always been something we've talked about. Like, there is death. Like, my parents are not, never tinkered around those words. Like, some people do. Like, we do with our kids, um, being completely honest. But not my parents. Like, there's a life, and then there's death. And so, I... They, my mom lost her mom at a young age. Maybe that's why. I don't know. But so I, I guess I naively thought I'd always be prepared mm-hmm. for that. And nothing prepares you for it. I mean, that's my big take five. But there's positive from it because I am okay. Like the worst possible thing is not there. And I just have to be diligent um, and vigilant about my own care. And so why I share it too, and it's spent more time on it than I want, I'm talking to you guys about it, is that um, like Braxton has a really good friend whose mom is a retired um, radiology tech. And when I shared this on my post, I didn't want to share it, but I did a lengthy post about all of it. And mainly because... You know, my friend shared her story, and that's why I did it. And I hope that me sharing it might encourage someone who has been waiting to do it to do it, yeah. especially if they have family history of it. Right. Um, because the key is early detection, and you cannot see those kinds of things by doing at-home tests or just yeah. doing your regular annual. You have to do the 3D or just the regular mammogram, um, and... The, my, you know, Braxton's um, friend's mom said so many people don't go back yeah. when they've been asked to come back. Really? I mean, it's scary. Yeah. You get that phone call, and I think some people would want to ignore it. I don't know, because I'm like, I want to yeah. know right now. Right. But I think some people do ignore it or don't check on the results, um, don't inquire or ask, um, and think it's everything's okay. So, um you know, if you don't have any family history, the standard time to, to come in is at 40. Um, I learned about my family history a little too late. And um, so I went at 40 uh, as soon as I knew. Uh, but I wouldn't wait. Like, it's not worth waiting. And then if you do get a negative scan, um, an abnormal scan, go back and um, get second opinions. Go back when they call you back. Also, I can't stress enough, get educated. I had no idea about breast density or what the heck that meant. But then, you know, talking to you and talking to other people, this was actually common. Yeah. And as I started to talk to some of my friends who had already gone through this, this was common. Yeah. Um, but nobody talks about it. Right. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, well, I feel like, so both of my, just for the record, both of my Maternal grandmother and paternal grandmother both have had mastectomies. Really? Yes. So I am probably, I mean, I'm not 40. Uh, in one hour, I'll be 36. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe I should make my appointment <laughs> well, at 36. Well, and that's, um, um, 
with family history, they yeah. emerge at 36. Like yeah. my best friend, her mom passed away in her 40s of yeah. breast cancer. So all three of her sisters have gotten the genetic test and started their scans, I think, at 36. Yeah. Um, because she died so young of right. it um, and didn't survive. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I just think, had I known that my grandmother... And also the other thing I learned was that ovarian and breast cancer are linked. So if you have history of ovarian cancer, they strongly recommend you begin scanning at 36 as well. Mm -hmm. So um, all lessons, like yeah. all the things that I learned from it, um, I would have started that sooner had I known. Right. Um, and it becomes a regular thing where every year you'll be getting it going forward. And again, it's about early detection. It doesn't make mean that it makes it any easier. None of it is. Um, I think I'll be scared every year. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think that that's unnatural, but the first time's the hardest, I think. And um, I, it, I, it was, yeah. For anyone who listens who's gone through it, your grandmothers, I mean, they yeah. probably could empathize and understand with that, but then it's a reality. And then yeah. what, you know, but yeah, it's just not something to, to, um, to play around with and ignore, and I just um, was shocked to hear people. So that was my big take five. Um, my my high five, on top of you know knowing that I'm okay and that mm -hmm. now we're working, just gonna work to you know manage and hope and keep everything healthy. Was we had talked about like pausing in a in a lot of things. Well, my my high five has been that every night. I've started when I'm home and not off for work. Um, that I've started reading a book with my youngest son. He's the middle, and so he, you know, they might not always feel like they get a lot of one-on-one -on -one time. And so I was thinking about this. We had had a conversation about this, and and so he's not that interested in reading, but he's super creative. Mm -hmm. So I felt like maybe if I found something in that realm. So I borrowed a book called The Land of Stories. Have you heard of it? No, I've not. So the guy from Glee um, wrote it. Chris Colfer, I think is his mm -hmm. name. And um, one of my neighbors has, had been talking to me about it and saying how great it was. And so she lent us the first book. And he and I had been spending 20 to 30 minutes, depending how long the chapter is, reading a chapter a night. And... It's like a highlight. I look forward to it. And so does he. He's asking, Mom, are we going to read That's awesome. And it's the little thing. Yeah. I mean, we read every night. Right. You know, and he's required to read for school 20 mm -hmm. minutes. So now what we do is we do 10 minutes of his independent reading, and he tells me what he's read about. And, and then I read out loud to him while he's reading with me mm -hmm. for 10 minutes. That's awesome. And um, it ends up taking longer. Yeah. Honestly, it has been because he's so into it. And the book is great because it's interesting and has adventure and humor. And, like, he giggles when he hears a joke. And there's just so many yeah. things of it that I like. But such a... Well, and it's such a bonding, yeah. you know, like, like, I feel like that's so yeah. special for you and him. Yeah, it's just him and I, and sometimes his big brother mm -hmm. hears his reading, and he comes in and lays at the end of the bed to hear it too. You guys, my oldest does not care one bit about reading. <laughs> so for him to come in too, I was like, well, maybe I get two, you know? Right. But for sure, it's bonding between him and I. Yeah. So it's... That's awesome. So that, those have been my take, my high fives. My high five. 
High five, take five. <laughs> That's awesome. My lengthy take five. Sorry, but I wanted to share. Please go get your boobs checked. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm going to put that on my list. <laughs> it's almost Jen's birthday. It's almost my birthday. She's going to bring in her birthday here with us on yes. the pod. <laughs> we got to get this moving. <laughs> I know. Here we are. Let's see. So... Um, my take five and high five, probably, I mean, well, like I said, we've had a a bunch, I feel like since the last, um, episode, but, um, yesterday I ran a half marathon. So, um, well, I can just do my take five and high five right here. (laughs) It's all one full circle. So, um, here's the thing. Uh, let's see, what do I want my, there's lots of take five and high five, but I'm going to limit it to one per category, but, um, my take five is, I did not PR, which is personal record, I did not get my fastest time, which I knew, um, but I think I, my husband and I were kind of hashing this out last night, and like why I, I felt, here's what happens, I run a race, I feel proud regardless of what the time is, that I finished it, completed it. I feel strong. My body feels strong. Um, But then the further distance between crossing the finish line and the present moment, um, the more, uh, the harder I am on myself. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, I could have dug a little deeper. I could have pushed a little harder. So I was bumming yesterday. Like, after I kind of was, like, off of the high of the fact that I just finished it, um, I was kind of irritated with the fact that, you know, you know, the less taking the lessons. So, um, I feel like I, I was hard on myself, which is my take five. I probably, you know, I need to offer myself a little bit more grace. Um, so that because yeah, you ran a half marathon. Yes, because I ran a half marathon. Yes, like, I know. I know. ran. Yeah. A half and as my husband said, he's like, you know, he was congratulating me on my accomplishment from like a time perspective too. It wasn't like, you know, um, I walked it. <laughs> so, but I feel like my high five is acknowledging the fact that there are lessons that I learned from the race. And, um, my, during the last few weeks that I've been training, I've kind of tried to enjoy the journey. So my last long run, I had a little bit of, um, well, I, yeah, I had a little bit of an issue with my running sneakers. I bought a brand new pair and they just didn't feel good. So I actually, yesterday during race day was the first time I wore those race shoes. Like, yeah, no breaking them in. So that was a little bit. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I did the same exact thing last year in April. I ran for the first time. It's I, so there's lots of lessons in the race. That's my high five is um, in February. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and also sticking to a training plan. That's um, I'm a goal and being more intentional about setting my training plan and sticking to it because I feel like I kind of wing it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, high five to myself for completing a half marathon. Um, and so. it was cold and windy. Yeah, it was, I usually, so. That's um, a, that's a flat trail. You did no the flat, flat one? Nope. Yeah. Hilly. Oh. I was in Durham. Was, so oh, it was hilly. It was windy. Um, it was windy. I wouldn't say, it was less hilly than I thought it was going to be because I have run a race in Durham before and it was way hilly. 
Um, this one wasn't as hilly, but the hills that were there, there was one at mile 10, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is just like, you know, get me to this finish line now. Yeah. I'm glad it's over. Um, but yeah, I feel like the... The weather was, it was good weather. Yeah. It wasn't super cold. I feel like, um, I thought for sure I was going to shed some layers, but I didn't. Um, but the weather was great. It was sunny. Um, you know, a little colder than I would have liked, but it's better than it being 70 degrees. So I'll take it. High five. I mean, you ran a half marathon yeah. while I was laying on the couch <laughs> drinking coffee. That's what I did the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I started watching this Netflix uh, Working Moms. Oh, have speaking you of pause, that? have you watched it? Uh-uh. Oh my gosh, guys. It's funny. Is it? It's I, funny. I have to watch it. It's crude. Oh, I like crude. But too. yeah, it's funny. Is it American? British? Uh, no, it's American. Okay, I don't yeah. know if it was British. I saw that on there. It's funny, Kenny and I just finished a Netflix show together. We finished The Umbrella Academy. Oh, I've never heard of which that. Which is kind of like um, X-Men-ish, Ooh. but like youngsters. Yeah. Very interesting concept of jumping to the future and the mm. past. It, it was interesting. Yeah. It, it got us hooked enough for us to be interested in watching season two. Yeah. But I heard, so I have working, mama, working moms on my save list so when I'm traveling I yeah. can you know download an episode and watch that I haven't done that yet. that's what I watched it without uh Rob was out shopping so I was like oh okay I'm going to veg on the couch while my daughter naps and my legs recover and I'm gonna watch working moms one of my friends told me that it was funny and I was like oh this is funny I like it <laughs> it's very it's like you know it's um kind of like bad moms yeah it's yeah. very, like, extreme. Nobody really acts like that in real life, but you can relate to what they're going through. Yeah, so yeah. it's just funny. Well, congrats on yeah, running an amazing marathon yeah. and, um, you know, finishing it Yeah, and hustling because I did see your time and your pace. <laughs> yes, that was – I did hit one of my goals. That's wanted, yeah. really good. Yeah, thanks. Like, that's really fast. Yeah, thank you. I pretend to run like that fast <laughs> in my sleep, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, we're going to get right into it. So, the theme of today is getting to know Jen and Andrea because we've not really shared a lot about ourselves with you guys. So, we thought we would do that today so you would know a little bit more about us and kind of where we come from and all that good stuff, and then we'll get into some deep questions. So, ready to kick it off? Yes, ma'am. Okay, I'm going to start with um, Jen's bio and introduce you to, to Jen. Here I am. <laughs> Here I am at 35 years old. I'm 35 She's at this almost current 36 moment. <laughs> and 45 minutes. Um, we're night owls. We record at night. Yeah. Um, so, Jen is a 35-year-old wife to her high school sweetheart, Mother of two, a seven-year-old, and a three-year-old daughter. She grew up in New York, specifically Long Island. Attended college at, what is it? Widener. 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 I thought it was going to be like your last name. Yeah. Like, no. Oh, I no. that. Nope. <laughs> a small college outside of Philly for two years before transferring to Syracuse for two years. Oh, was that Syracuse? Yeah. Um, she graduated with an accounting and economics degree, which she has always felt conflicted and suppressed her much more fun-loving and sometimes hippie tendencies. <laughs> <laughs> so opposite of, yeah. 
She worked in corporate America for the majority of the last 13 years. She and her high school sweetheart relocated from Long Island immediately after tying the knot to begin their life in Raleigh, North Carolina. They did not love it at first. In fact, they almost moved back to New York within the first year. 11 years later, they called North Carolina home, and some even say Jen's North Carolina accent has disappeared. It has. <laughs> Sometimes I hear it I just articulate more than I used to. <laughs> Jen has recently left the corporate life behind to explore what it's like to have more flexibility in motherhood. She has coined this pressing the pause button. While pressing this pause button, she has started three new adventures, one being this podcast, <laughs> and one being a photography business, and the last being a mission to hashtag lighten up the world by helping others find healthy minds and healthy bodies. Jen is loving this new chapter and all the chaos that comes along with it. Some days she feels like it, she is super mom and totally rocking this thing. Another day she is literally struggle busting her way through. Jen continues to positively mom her way through this roller coaster called motherhood. Hello, Jen. Here I am. Here she nice is. Nice to meet you, ladies and gentlemen. Beautiful red-headed fireball <laughs> with the hippie oh, yeah. tendencies. <laughs> That's what, yeah, um, when was it? Last, like a week ago or something, my music was not working when I was teaching a class at the gym, and uh, they were like, whoa, is your hair redder than normal? And at first I was like, mm, I don't get it. And then they were like, we're seeing fiery in you today. Because I was getting pissed at the Bluetooth for not working. And they were like, whew, girl. <laughs> so, yeah. She's definitely a redhead. Yeah. Redhead fireball. Red oh, my slash yeah. hippie tendencies. Hippie tendencies. But totally... Not. Sometimes I joke around and say I have counseled myself out of type A personality. <laughs> like to the extreme opposite of being a hippie. <laughs> because, I mean, you're a firstborn. Yes. Right? Yep. So, oldest of three. Oldest of three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, grew up in yep. you know, New York. Yeah. Um, mom, dad, did you stay in the same home? Grow up in the same home? So I life? grew up, um, my, um, my parents... When, when was it? I think we actually, we kind of did, it wasn't the same thing as, like, me as an adult, but um, we, my parents lived in an apartment until I was about three, and then they were building a house mm-hmm. out probably 45 minutes um, from where we were currently living, and there must have been a float, and I guess I don't know a whole bunch of the details, but we moved in with my grandmother Um, and at this point my mom had, or my mom and dad had my, me and my sister who was three years younger than me. Um, and we moved in with my grandma and my pop who had one bathroom at the time. And my mom is the oldest of three. So her two siblings were also living at home. (laughs) So my mom and dad slept on a pullout couch (laughs) and like my mom or, and I think, uh, I I slept in my grandparents' room with them on like a little like a fold out fold out hour. thing. Yeah. And my sister's crib was up there too. And I don't know the time frame. I guess that, hey mom. <laughs> what was the time frame on that? I can't remember how long we lived there, but we lived there while the house was being built. And then um shortly thereafter we moved to the house and my brother was born. 
And so from the time I was about in kindergarten, mm-hmm. I, we grew up in, or my parents still have that house. Oh, that's so, awesome. So yeah. Still so there. I was. I don't know what it is, but I think about New Yorkers, like, um, mm-hmm. maybe it's, it's purely from movies. Yeah. And speculation, like, I imagine that. You go back. You're always gonna go back to the Bronx, to New oh, York, yeah. family home, and mm-hmm. you know, Irish Catholic and accents, and everybody praying the rosary. That's and, so <laughs> funny. Oh like, my goodness. Again, I probably uh, haven't watched well, too many movies. Yeah, Long Island is super family oriented. I grew up in like a big Italian family. Um, and yeah, cause you were talking about your grandma. I always love hearing about like, yeah, you have this big, yep. gigantic family. That's all still very connected. Yes. Very loving, close family. I feel like I was just talking to Rob about this, how my family is there growing up. We didn't know who, who my real blood relatives were because it's like people got married and they were instantly family. That's what uh-huh. is really sweet about yeah us. Yeah. yeah. When I Instantly like, family. Y'all yeah. get together. Yeah. Like, y'all still get together. Yeah. Like, not all the time, but you still get together. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So, it's it's fun. It's been a... It's been a ride. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a ride, but here I am. <laughs> here you are. Well, we'll get yeah. into some questions in a little bit after mm-hmm. we go through each other's bios. And, um, you know, hopefully you guys will get to know you know, us through those more, but what we'll do is once we post the pod and y'all listen, um, we'll actually do a survey for questions and if yeah. there's more you want to know, then we'll go live one day and answer some of y'all's random questions that maybe we didn't answer or yeah. after you listen to today's pod, you're like, well, wait a minute, Jen, yeah. explain more. Yeah. <laughs> do tell. Um, all right. You ready for, yeah, let's introduce Andrea. Who am I? Here she is. (laughs) Okay. Andrea. She's a native Texan relocated to North Carolina six and a half years ago. Andrea married her college sweetheart and a mama to her two sons and a daughter, a 12, 10, and a four-year-old. She has a love for her husband, kids, family, friends, writing, reading, dancing, and margaritas on a beach. <laughs> Her story sometimes sounds like one of the movies about a small Texas girl, but it's, it pretty much sums her up. She grew up in the central part of Texas and is the oldest daughter of three, raised in a trailer park until her dad lost his job in the oil field. In, in one night, she went from living a pretty comfortable life to packing up her belongings and saying goodbye to their trailer and moving to a two-bedroom, one-bath house in the city. City population, 3,000. Andrea grew up in a small town, one of the few Hispanic families in a primarily white German community. She learned quickly to speak up for what mattered. With little money, her dad left and worked out of state the majority of her life. Her mother was left to raise the three of them alone, which meant a lot of struggle and a lot of heartache. Andrea thrived in school, running cross-country, playing flute, tennis, basketball, and marching in the band. She loved school. It was her sanctuary. When she was accepted to Southwest Texas University, she jumped at the chance to get out of her small town. She attended Southwest Texas University, got a color guard scholarship, danced... I did not know that. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry. Danced in the marching band, joined a sorority, met her best friend, and eventually her husband. She worked her way up in the retail world to pay for college. Now the three jobs she did while trying to get 
her way through college. She landed a great internship and stayed in that field for 18 years until she got into, oh, sorry, until her, I didn't type that very good. I'm sorry, until she got into her corporate job in North Carolina. She feels extremely lucky, lucky to have a job that she loves. She started writing her first book this year, Young Adult, that she hopes to self-publish in March 2020, and she's doing this podcast. Her goal is to spread positivity and encourage moms with real talk because it's time to do away with celebrity life and start advocating real talk, real life, and real moms. There's Andrea. <laughs> yeah. Aww. All the all the things of of me in a little tiny nutshell. So how old were you when you moved? So our first move um, out of that trailer house. Like we lived in a trailer house, um, which was a huge step up for where my parents came from. Like mm-hmm. um and they left South Texas, which is where I was born, when I was two. Um, and my brother was born in the little town we ended up living the rest of our life in. And um, we lived in this amazing trailer park community. Like, it was very widespread out. And um, there were, you know, lots of spaces between the houses. Really not anything that I think of now. Um, but we lived there until I was six or seven. And um, oil field, for those who are not from Texas, um, the oil field um, was like the bread and butter of that time. And so many people, you know, went into there because you made a ton of money. But the money was fast. And the oil field is fast. And then it crashes. And so for a very young married couple like my parents, they didn't put anything in savings and they didn't think it would ever end. And it literally ended in one night, which I remember this because I was the oldest. But um, I remember in the middle of the night, just like literally, you guys, hey, put it, let's, we gotta pack it, we gotta go. Um, because my parents just had never experienced anything like that and didn't know, you know. So um, we lived about, mm, I think, maybe five miles outside of the city limits. And we left that house, which was supposed to be our house. And um, we moved to the city. Yeah. Moved to the city. <laughs> city, which is the downtown area of our small town. Our town was literally like 30,000 people. Oh um, and, yeah, I think I was second, you know, second grade. Um, my sister was a baby. And um, and then we lived in that house uh, until I was 17. Okay. And then um, when I was 17, my parents... Had finally saved enough money. Um, my dad moved back home because he literally worked out of state from the time I was that age until I was seventeen. Oh he did not live with us. He he had to. He couldn't find any like substantial work around, and he's an electrician, and um, he couldn't find substantial work around where we were. And he never wanted him and my mom never wanted to move us. We would have moved a lot for his work mm-hmm. otherwise. And I'm thankful for that. Um, I think it would have, it was hard mm-hmm. because he didn't live with us and um, money was stretched thin because of that, despite him making good money. Right. It didn't ever feel like that um, because he was living somewhere else and then we were home and he would come home when he wasn't working. 
Right. So it's an interesting, like, dynamic. Yeah. Um, to try to keep us stable and that for us to have our stability and make other things stable. I don't know how my parents did it. Yeah. To be honest. It wasn't it wasn't pretty all the time. But mm-hmm. but so then at seventeen they bought a house or like brought our first house and we moved a little bit further outside of the city because <laughs> we literally lived by the courthouse. Oh. Like there was the courthouse and we were like half a block away from it. Mm-hmm. We were in the the Mess up town so everybody knew our business. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know? Huh. Had one neighbor. She was um, 86 years old. And um, then it was the rest of the city was our neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> the courthouse and all yeah. the people going to fight their yeah. crimes. <laughs> well, speaking of crimes, we had a, we had a, um, the county jailhouse. So, like, here was our house. And then the 86-year-old lady who lived next to his house, right behind our house was the county jailhouse. Oh, my goodness. And it was like a tiny, I mean, tiny jailhouse. But I remember that, I love history, but I remember we had this really massive backyard. And if you went to the very back of our backyard, there was this tiny walkthrough that if you walked through, it would there was a garage to a house behind us that was like old, vacant. It had a bunch of really cool old yeah. antiques and we would sneak in and play in there <laughs> all the time. I'm sorry, mom and dad probably don't know that. <laughs> um, but then there was the jailhouse. And so we could see people in the jail. So I would just stand there and like look. Oh and my there. gosh. We were so close to that jail. Like, like we had a, it's weird because we had a dealership literally next to our house. So a car dealership. Okay, so, oh like, goodness. here's my house, right? And then there is a huge parking lot with all these new cars, and then the, across the street is the dealership part of it. And behind the car dealership was the jail. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and I lived there all my life. Like, I was telling Braxton the other day, because he has a little bit of an obsession with sports cars, which I love, too. And um, I told him that my nights would be spent after taking a shower and after everything, I would go and walk all the cars, the new cars, oh and the goodness. lights on till like yeah. midnight. And I would, you know, before bed, go walk the cars and stare at the Camaros and those <laughs> things because I wanted one so oh bad. Oh my goodness. It was literally right there. That is crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we did not grow up with a car dealership. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's interesting now because, I mean, they tore down that house. So that was a hundred-year-old home. Like, it was very old. Um, it was a two-bedroom, one-bath house. My brother, my sister, and I all shared a room mm-hmm. from the time I was that age until 17, um, which I never even thought anything of it until I realized later that not many people did that. But mm-hmm. we didn't have a choice. Um, but the house was huge. But it was very, very old. So yeah. half of it was livable and half of it wasn't. Yeah. You know, and it was smack dab in the middle of this the town. Like there's a lot of houses around that town, but they were like a block or two down and we yeah. we were on the you know Yeah. You know, there in the midst of it. Yeah. It had some advantages, I guess. Right. <laughs> like Dreaming about Camaros. Yeah, I got to see a Camaro, and we always had this huge festival every year. It's called the, um, my hometown is called the Kolach capital of Texas. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Mentioned it was German and Czech. Mm-hmm. 
And um, we never had to worry about parking. <laughs> That's right. <coughs> we, were, spot. we were always in the midst of it. So, so yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, oh that's me. I'm sure we'll learn more about us. <laughs> <laughs> so, we want to get into the interview? We're yeah. right on time, too. See, yeah. we're doing good, you guys. All right. So, okay, Jen, first question. If you could use three words to describe yourself, what would they be? Ugh. I, um, let's see, I feel like the first one, and, um, this is like an ingredients list. This is the most important. I feel like it is the most descriptive of me is intense. (laughs) I am intense in a good way and a bad way. (laughs) I think that it's just in a good way. Yeah. I think, I mean, um, you know, I think that in a good way from a perspective that, um, yeah, I just feel a lot of feelings. Yeah. You know, like I feel a lot of I feelings. I very connected to Yes. Me, which is, yeah. I have to do this many yeah. times. I think it's a trait I truly admire. Yeah. Like, yeah, intense. Yeah. <laughs> feel all the feels. Yeah, I feel all the feels. I feel like um, when I'm passionate about something, I am just like, like I just, yeah. I don't even, I'm like in this bubble mm-hmm. of like intensity. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's my, I would say that's my first one. Um, my next one, I didn't, I, well, my next one, I kept going back and forth between, well, they're complete opposites, but, um, <laughs> uh, what the first one is empathetic. I feel like, um, that's something that people would use to describe me. Um, but I kept going back and forth between writing that one down or funny. <laughs> I mean, but I felt like I can't say that about myself. Yes, <laughs> but, um, I always joke around with Rob that he's the pretty to my funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that country yeah, song, yeah. you the pretty to my funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I always say that to him, that he's the pretty to my funny I definitely think you're I think those I think you're funny <laughs> yeah we laugh a lot before this pod yes. we end up laughing and therapizing each other before yes. we even start this pod even That's right. when we plan on not doing that it I ends know. up happening well it, um, or it happens afterwards so it's inevitable <laughs> that it will happen yeah. but I definitely think you're funny yeah, yeah. Well, because I always see I mean I think that that's why people are so drawn to you uh-huh. um because you're you know, you are joyfully funny. Like, you know, you're usually smiling. I mean, I know, I know we all have our moments. Yeah. But you typically are smiling. Yeah. You know, like, and, and, and you are typically laughing. Yeah. Well, and then the third one is positive. I feel like, um, I'm a seeker of silver linings. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like I'm always trying to find the positive. Uh, that has been rubbed off onto me, um, through Rob. He, I feel like I, um, didn't always have such a positive outlook on life and he just always has. And I feel like now he has turned me into a, a glass half full kind of gal. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's so, nice. Shout out to yeah, Rob. I know. Shout out to Rob. Thank you, sweets. <laughs> um, so how about you? Three words. So, I had, I kind of struggled with like describing myself too. Right. So I wrote some words down and then what I did was I pulled 
my friends <laughs> um, to see if any of them were common just to kind of gauge. And I was like, okay, well, there's some that stuck out that were the same. Right. So I don't feel so bad saying these things about myself, which <laughs> I sh- we shouldn't feel bad about yeah. it. But, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, the first for me is optimistic. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I kind of think it ties into the whole positivity thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people would describe me as optimistic. Because I am empathetic too, mm-hmm. um, but and I think that's where my optimism comes from. Right. I always try to put myself in their shoes, right. um, sometimes to my detriment. Right. Um, but I'm optimistic. I I believe in good. You know, like I want there to be good um, in the world, and I truly believe that there is. And um, and so I, because I think I, I mean I think we've talked about this, but. I think also because I know that there's that bad is so real Mm -hmm. and that there is that, that I choose to believe that the optimist part and the optimism um, side of life is stronger. Yeah. And so I kind of lead everything I do that way. I always think that even before we got to know each other, I felt like you were always so cheerful and you can just feel that, that positive, optimistic vibe. Yeah. Radiating. <laughs> I try to just, yeah. you know, spew it on my rainbow fingers. Yeah, that's right. It's all about I got rainbow fingers. Rainbow fingers. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> We're going to spread the joy. Oh um, she's like, okay, mama. Oh, my she goodness. definitely is my child. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next thing I put was motivating. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I, um. I had had a blog a long time ago that was called, um, uh, what was it called? Coach Honesty. I've kind of always led life as a coach in a weird way. Yeah. You know, like. I hear that. Um, so I, I, you know, this is kind of probably tied to my whole words of affirmation, you know, love language too. But I, I believe anybody is possible. Anything is possible for anybody. Mm-hmm. And so I think I had to tell myself that so much about myself. And I was self-motivated at a very young age. Like My siblings and I talk about this a lot. Like we had to be very self-motivated. And we always say our parents should be lucky for that. Um, and because we were. Like we weren't the kids that they had to like really push if we wanted something. We just did it. So um, when I think about Myself and it's funny because several of my friends said this um, too. Um, I would say, I'm, I'm, you know, motivator, um, and I like to see people succeed. Yeah, like I that to see them succeed makes me happy. Mm-hmm. For them. So, um, so yeah, I think I'm a, I think I'm motivator. A hundred percent, you're a motivator. Like, go get it, go get girls. It. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I almost used that as one of my words too. Uh, yeah, we didn't exchange our words, by the way. We didn't. No. We didn't. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. Um, and then the last one is joyful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of ties to like the whole happiness thing. But um, yeah, like I that I take from my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom has like this. Like she doesn't meet a stranger, and forever I'm like I'm not my mother's daughter, but I am. And the sense of that, I don't meet them either. Mm-hmm. And that I, again, just, I guess that's, you know, to the whole mantra of why yeah. we're even doing this. Like, I, I'm like, life's too short to not yeah. have that be a very core fundamental of 
us. We, I can be a hater and be mad at people and have this, you know, my moments, people, okay? I definitely <laughs> can, okay? Anyone who knows me knows that. But overall, I am joyful and because I feel like life can be so good. Yeah. You know? And I want all of the world to feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag lighten up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think it's funny how... I mean, you all heard our backgrounds and how we got to this point. And I, I feel like I constantly say we have so many similarities and so many differences. And you can see our stories that got us here are very different. Mm-hmm. But we probably went through the same handful of words to describe ourselves. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really cool because it... Well, I, mean, I think that's what we felt... We're on a mission. People. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's why we felt connected. Yeah. Um, without even, like, spending a lot of one-on-one right. time with each other. Yeah. Like, I mean, I randomly asked Jen. <laughs> it was like, hi, we've never gone for coffee. <laughs> <We've never laughs> you want to do a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was weird because she was like oh, I was like my, oh my god I had a feeling I had a feeling and I was like so that's where me and my cosmic you yes. know thing I'm like oh my gosh it's in the stars you know <laughs> that's right I, written in the stars like yes. what happened not um, in the sand people yeah it was it was interesting because we I mean and we've talked about this mm-hmm. a couple of times but we literally were neighbors mm-hmm. and we've talked and but I think you just, you you know, like yeah. I when I thought about doing this podcast, like random thought, I want to do something. I want I want my voice to be heard. I don't want to do it alone, <laughs> and I want to do it with someone. Who do I want to do it with? Jen. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> like, Jen, because of the fact that we are, like I was like, I know we have a lot of similarities because we've had talks. Yeah. You know, we've had a few talks, mm-hmm. right? But I also know we don't have some. Right. And But those differences are enough that for all of you guys listening, like, I'm pretty sure that you can connect with one of us or both of us at some level mm-hmm. because we are all of you guys. Right. We live every spectrum of that plus probably some other areas. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, I think, you know, when you and I were talking about this, we are like, we just want there to be good. Yeah. So here we are. Yeah. <laughs> here we are here we are so then question number two this is a fun one so Jim what memory do you have of your childhood that brings you the most joy oh I was thinking about this I had a very joyful childhood I Aww. have a lot of great memories from being a youngster um, but I feel like one of the things that gave me the warm and fuzzies when yeah. I was thinking about like memories is um, going back to family, um, warm summer days that turned into summer nights. So in my grandmother and my my grand and pop's backyard. I don't know why I like when I think of a joyful moment of childhood, I think of that. And we used to swim all day and um, then we would eat dinner outside and then dinner would just turn into like conversation out in the back and um, you know, the kids were playing, but we also would do fun games like, you know, that old school, uh, I'm going on a picnic and I'm bringing, yeah. we used to play that around Aww. the table and just, oh, like 
you know, everyone was there. And it was just, I don't know, they're just some of my greatest memories back in my grandparents' backyard. That's so, that's so awesome. I think it, when you hear mine, you're going to mm-hmm. laugh because it's similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cool to be part of such a big, yeah. you know, family and all. Do, so we talked about this. You said that mm-hmm. y'all get together still. Now, every now and then, mm-hmm. do you still go to your grandparents' house? Oh, yeah. So now, <laughs> everyone lives at my grandma's house. They, like, bump the walls out, and now everyone lives there. Um, <laughs> so when we go up to New York, that's sometimes we stay there, actually, um, and we completely um, over not overstay, but we take up a lot of space, <laughs> the four of us. Um, in that house, but yeah, so my, um, my parents still live in the house that we grew up in, or I grew up in, um, my siblings and I grew up in, um, and it's about 45 minutes from my grandma's house, like I said before, and, uh, so Rob's family lives right near, we went to high school together, so right near my parents, uh, we grew up seven miles apart from each other. Oh my gosh, that's... Yeah. So, um, so when we go there to visit, we will spend a lot of time at my grandma's house and we will spend, um, time at, you know, his parents and my parents, but we always, you know, there's just something that is just, I love my grandparents' house. Yeah. I do. I love, um, and it looks completely different, not completely different, mostly different, (laughs) um, than when I was a child, but it just, you know, it still has the same same good vibes. Yeah. So. Aw, that's awesome. So, how about you? It's favorite it's, childhood memory. Um, it's similar. I had written something else down, and um, then I started thinking about it again. Mm-hmm. So, I grew up in a very big, like you know, I want to say my big fat Greek wedding. I think <laughs> about my big fat Mexican family <laughs> because um, my mom's the oldest of thirteen ish. I think. Humongous. Yeah. 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 Humongous. And then my dad's the middle of eight. My favorite memory actually, or usually all around the holidays, but um, when when my parents moved, half of my mom's family followed them. (laughs) And so we ended up growing up with almost all of my uncles and aunts living in the same town. And when when I think about that now, I think that that's pretty amazing because now people are so spread out that you wouldn't think that. But my fondest memories were um, any kind of holiday gathering. Um, they were usually at my grandfather's house. And my aunt and usually one or two of my uncles still live with my grandfather at some point, you know, as I was growing up because some of them were still even in high school. And what I remember about that time was like, um, you know, I'm the oldest grandchild of like 30 plus grandchildren. So question real quick, not to interrupt, mm-hmm. but what is the age difference between because since there's such an yeah. you're the oldest your mom is the oldest of 13 what is the age difference between you and your youngest or your youngest aunt or uncle um so my uncle the youngest uncle he um okay so I'm 40 I think he's gotta be like um 56 oh okay so there's yeah a like there's a there's an wait no he can't be 56 because my mom is 61 and she's like hmm you know what he's he's in his 40 no he's not in his 40s he's in his 50s so I think there's probably like a 
eight to ten year difference. Right. I think I no one's ever asked me that. I'm just <laughs> Sorry, I did not mean to put you no, on the no, spot. No, I need to think about his age because when I was little, I mean, he was still in high school, mm-hmm. so I remember him. I remember him in high school because I was yeah, I was you know. So it's probably a ten year age difference because. Yep. When he was in high school, I remember that was back in the time when they did all these breaking, like they did break dancing. Oh, yeah. And so they would have like these break off dances. And so him and his buddies would come. I would go after school to my aunt and uncle's house, which was literally, literally across from the school. And he would walk over and it would be, and I would be like, oh my gosh, there's my uncle with like three or four of his buddies and they're all doing their break oh their my dances gosh. and spins and stuff. That's and so here. funny. Oh my gosh, totally like Can't Buy Me Love style um, movie. <laughs> anyway, so I digress. But yeah, I think I'm, I think he's about 10 or a little bit um, years older than me. But yeah, so I think it's 13 kids. I always forget with how many my mom says this is a lot. Um, but I'm the first and oldest grandchild. I'm on that side. So Me too. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. Oh, wow. So there's on like 30-something. I'm not on my dad's side because um, he was in the middle, but I um, but I am for sure my mom's. And we would get together. So like Easter, we would have – we – we um, have you ever heard of cascarones? Uh, yeah. So, so um, for those of you who don't know what cascarones is – I only know because you've – Oh, you introduced them to me prior, so that's cheating. Yeah, cheater, cheater. Cheater. Uh-huh. For those of you guys who don't know what cascarones is, it's become a little bit more popular in, in, in English. They call it confetti eggs. So, you know, they're hollowed out eggshells um, that are filled with confetti or glitter or whatever you want to put them. Don't do glitter. It's terrible. It doesn't <laughs> come out. But um, And then there's tissue paper. And so it for Easter, Easter was... Easter is pretty significant in our family. We celebrate Lent. I mean, like I said, big Catholic family. And um, Lent and Easter is always a special, special time for us, um, full of reverence and a lot of wonderful things. But Easter was, like, amazing. So every family would bring dozens. I mean, we were we were saving eggs, hollowing out, washing them for months oh before my gosh. Easter, starting at Christmas. Wow. And so we would spend, you know, the week before Easter dyeing all of those eggs, stuck, cutting up tissue paper. This was before they were made, bags of confetti. Oh, my god! Getting gosh. tissue paper, cutting it up, and then cutting circles and gluing them on there. Now you can freaking buy cascarones pretty much anywhere on Walgreens H-E-B, but we did not grow up with that. So... Um, and so we would do a ton of cascarones, and you wanted to you wanted to be the family with the most cascarones <laughs> because you were gonna win the war when it came to crushing the eggs on people's heads. Oh my gosh! So you know, like yeah, for the Greeks, in yeah, big, they say whoopa, and they drink that whatever. <laughs> for for us Mexicans, we get the cascarone and we crush it on your head. Oh my gosh! And That's we don't so say funny. anything, just basically, ha ha, got you, you know. Yeah. But, so. Um, you know, we do the Easter egg hunt with plastic eggs. We hardly ever did hard-boiled eggs. I didn't even really hear about that until much yeah. later in my life. I was like, what is a hard-boiled egg? We, we do only... So, cascarones and those plastic eggs, we would do we do this massive hunt. And there's... So, that's why I think also I've, you know, not having that for my kids. I've always wanted right. to, you know, plan one um, for my kids because I wanted them to have the memories that I had because yeah. it was a special time. And... Um, but yeah, and then we have like 
you know, a big brisket and barbecue and like all this food and my aunts and my uncles are all sitting on the porch getting wasted <laughs> and all of us kids are just eating all the candy and all of our, and we dress to the nines. Yeah. Like Easter, it doesn't matter. You are, it, it doesn't matter. You are dressed. We all have matching outfits. We have pretty hats and like dress to the nines and, um, I didn't <laughs> I loved it. I'm chuckling because my <laughs> my grandmother used to sing. She always, uh, I'm not even going to try, but <laughs> you should totally try. she, your she sings, yeah, I know, oh my gosh, four minutes, um, <laughs> this In Your Easter Bonnet song, <laughs> and I'm just imagining her um, totally belting that out. <laughs> Oh man, she's the best. She seriously is. Yeah. And I just literally put my like I've washed my hands four times and I cut jalapenos for oh. dinner. And literally this is the second time I did it. I literally like wiped the inside of my eye and now it's like burning. Burning. <laughs> I'm fine. It's fine. Oh, <laughs> Alright, okay. moving right along. Moving right along. We're gonna get into some serious okay. stuff. Yeah. And just kind of um, tell you, last question, last question for both of us. Yeah. So what is something that has happened to you, Jen, in your life that has changed you? Okay. So I have had lots and lots of things that have happened in my life um, that have created this Jen that we are listening to right now. <laughs> um I think that one thing, one of the first things that popped into my mind when I saw this question um, was how I got started running. So um, I grew up and I have, I didn't really play soccer. All of my friends growing up, or not all of my friends, I'm exaggerating, a lot of my friends. Um, when I was younger, or like just peers, not necessarily friends, um, played soccer or, you know, were into sports. I think I tried softball for a season when I was six or something and didn't really stick. Um, but I wasn't really in athletics until high school. And, um, I, but I've always had kind of a, a draw to health and fitness and athletics. I always wanted to like crush the PE physical fitness presidential award or whatever. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Um, so I was always like super competitive with myself for that. I always wanted to achieve that. Um, and all of that stuff, but I danced and I did a little bit of gymnastics, but no, nothing crazy with athletics. Well, when I was in eighth grade, I ran the mile for the presidential fitness, you know, just yeah. that, you yeah. know, whatever. I totally and that. I ran it in, in eight Oh nine. Which, by the way, is like my half marathon pace right now. <laughs> Ironic. <laughs> so funny. Um, yeah, yeah. So I ran it in eight oh nine, and then what happened was apparently there must have been a typo or something with the paperwork, and it went up to I guess the cross country coach gets any. There must be some system that he says, I want anyone's information that runs faster than such and such time. I don't know. I'm just making that assumption. But what happened was I got a phone call from the cross-country high school coach saying, you know, I think you should really come out 
for cross country. I saw that you ran a 609 mile. No. Wrongo. <laughs> I ran an 809. <laughs> but he thought I ran a 609. So he personally called my house and I got a letter in the mail yeah. and all this stuff that I did not run a 609. I mean, two stinking minutes faster he thought I ran. So I was like, well, coach. <laughs> um, I did not run a 609. I ran an 809. I don't know where you got that information, but please don't call me again. <laughs> I do not want to be on any type of cross country running track team. No, yeah. thank you. One mile per year is enough for me. And, um, you know, I talked to my mom and she was like, you know, I was invited to this meeting because, well, so anyway, what he said was, he's like, you know, an 809 is still a good pace for someone that's not training for something. You should think about, you know, coming out for cross country. I'm like, yeah, okay. So, um, I'm like, no, I'm not, that's not going to happen. So, um, you know, I was hanging out in middle school with some friends that maybe weren't making the greatest choices. So my mom, I think, you know, seeing the big picture in this was like, I need to do everything in my power to get this girl on the cross-country team. And she was like, I'll come with you to the meeting. Please, 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 please. She wanted me to go. And I was like, oh, cross-country is dorky and whatever. I'm, you know, I'm too cool for for cross-country and whatever. And, um, (laughs) And anyway, the funny thing is, is now running is like, yeah, yeah, such an important part of who I am and what I do, and it is my happy medicine, like I've yeah. talked about so many times. Um, not only that, but one of the girls that I was friends with on the team, um, well, it also got me kind of into the jock crowd, um, and that's where I met Rob because he was in the jock crowd, he was a you know really awesome soccer player. Um, so we both had to stay after school for sports and uh-huh. stuff like that. And we wouldn't have crossed paths probably, um, if, you know, not for sports. So I feel like, you know, running has impacted me, but it also brought me to Rob or I believe that it has led me, um, to Rob. Now, yeah. So, I feel like that was very pivotal in my, um, in my life. Yeah. Well, so, without it. Yeah. But I didn't run a 609. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have, I, have you ever run a 609? Yeah. So now, so yeah, I've run a 609. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure it's yeah. that. So. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, I think, I can't remember. I feel like. The end of my first cross-country season, I couldn't remember what exactly it was, but I feel like my coach ended up taking me out for ice cream um, because I don't know if it was like I when we did some sort of uh, time trial or something in the beginning of season, I feel like I was like the most improved. So I got ice cream out of the deal <laughs> because I was running an 809 mile and all these girls were like super fast. Oh yeah. Um, which, yeah. And it is such an important, Very, yeah, it is such an important runner. part of your, yeah. of your life now too. Yep. Oh, so, I ran cross country. Yes, I know you did. And you were super fast. I was, I don't know. 
I'm the opposite of you mm. now. <laughs> yeah, we went in the opposite direction. <laughs> no, that's not we're true. We're in the opposite direction. No, no without it, I'd be, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think running um, is, if you ever need, I've told Kenny this whenever he told me, and he's a football player and um, hated running. Like, the, yeah. I mean, he didn't run. They they worked out to bulk, right? Because right? he was a defensive player and, um, and he needed to do something different. And I said, well, you're going to have to run. Like, if you yeah. want to do something, you're going to, I mean, for what you want to do, you need to run. Right. Um, that's the kind of cardio you need. And he's like, oh, I don't want to, you know, run. I said, listen, like, I totally get it. But if you, if there's anything you want to do to mentally train yourself to be strong mentally, mm-hmm. it's running. I, I don't love running either. I literally at mile 10 or 11 yesterday was like, all I want to do is see my family and eat breakfast. <laughs> I did eat breakfast before, obviously, but I wanted to eat second breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it. I was done. I was like, I am just over this. And yeah. that was the first thing I said when I finished. I was like, I'm just glad it's over. I don't even care. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> it's such a, yeah. a big mental challenge. Yeah. Like a super mental challenge. Yeah. So how about you? What is something that has happened in your life that changed you? So I had to think about this one like pretty hard. Um, I think I remember a specific incident that I think then, like for you, triggered like multiple things for me. Um, I had mentioned when we were reading our bio, you know, you read my bio that um, I grew up in a small town. And I, I think I joke about this, that, oh, you know, growing up in a small town and, you know, I could be definitely a Hallmark movie. Um, but in, in seriousness, um, I re- growing up in that small town comes with a lot of wonderful, fantastic memories. So um, that I would never want to trade ever in the world. But there's also a point, there's also memories associated with that that were jarring for me. And um, one of them, one of the big things for me was um, I was in fourth grade and my mom worked at the school. She at that point was now, I don't remember if she's still a teacher's aide or if she was now working in the office. I think she was working in the office. So in fourth and fifth grade, <clears throat> my brother and I are a year and a half apart. So, well, two years technically. So, um, he would ride the bus over and I would be at the school and we would be there before school and after until she was done for the day. And after, on a good day, we would always go to the playground <clears throat> and there was always other teachers, teachers, mind you, other teachers' kids out there playing too. And there was a group of them and that would always, always, always pick on my brother and I. And I'm the oldest so I am very protective and very much a mother hen, and so I would um, I would always stick up for my brother and myself always, and rarely tattle. Like I wouldn't. I think about this now, and I think, why didn't I tattle? But I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't go and run to my mom and tell my parents, you know, what they were doing. But um, <clears throat> it's the. I remember a specific day playing on the monkey bar, and this is how much I remember it. And I remember the first time that those group of boys, and again, I emphasize that these are fourth and fifth grade teachers, kids, um, calling my brother and I wet bags. Now, bags, okay, 
because they were young kids and they didn't realize that 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 actual word was not the correct word to use to to call us which is what they were trying to call us which was wet backs so wet backs is a derogatory term that people use to describe anyone of like Mexican Hispanic descent because it basically describes someone trying to cross the river oh who has a wet back. I didn't know this until many years later, actually in college. I didn't even know. Okay. Like I had no idea what that meant. I just knew that it was derogatory and I knew that from the time I was in fourth grade, um, I'd heard that word and been called that word numerous times. Now I knew it was derogatory and I knew it wasn't the right word. And I remember them calling us this and chasing us around the, you know, playground. And, and there was times where we played well with them, but there's times where they were just plain old ugly and mean. <clears throat> and these boys later, they were friends. We were friends with them growing up. You know, we knew them, right? And I think if I think if I sat in front of them now and said, do you remember doing this? They both would look at me stunned because um, I don't think they would take very much pride in actually saying that they said that, especially because one of them is a teacher now, um, right? And yeah. and um, I think when you're young, you don't, you know, you you parrot and mimic what you hear at home. And That's the scary part about it is, yeah. like, you think about, I didn't know what that was until right now. Yeah. You didn't know what it was until you were in college. Yeah. But they knew that word. When they were in fourth and fifth grade. Yeah, when they were in fourth and fifth grade, because they were the same age as me, um, around the same age as me. So that time actually kind of um, just made me more aware. And um, growing up in that town, I think that people have a really hard time talking about racism. And nowadays, I think that it's just, you know, with social media, I think it's not, it's not done a lot of I think it's done some good but not a lot of good for the cause of bringing awareness around it it's hard to even think about that nowadays in this time and age but um it is a reality and um like I said I didn't grow up hearing those kinds of words um my parents were from south Texas where they were the majority of the people that lived in that area were Hispanic Mm -hmm. um we are literally generation generations in um, my grandfather, like all my family, like they owned all the farmlands in South Texas when it was Mexico, then acquired. Like it's not like they crossed the border and came over, right? right? That's where they lived. And then the line was drawn and they just stayed in their homes. And we've owned that land. For hundreds of years, it's still in the Rodriguez family, and it continues to be. Um, I don't think a lot of people think about that or know that. And when I was younger, I didn't know that, and I wish I had because I would have said more. And then on my dad's side, on 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 my dad's side, I mean, our heritage traces back to Spain many many years ago. Where again, coming as conquistadors and coming in when you know. It was in Texas, right? And right. was part of Mexico, but then there was the Spanish Mexican War. Like, there's all these rich details of history and life where we all came from somewhere across the pond, yeah. people at some time. And I feel very blessed and lucky that I know these things about my heritage and, and my yeah. life. And I didn't know that stuff at that age, Jen. Right. And so I hid from who I, like, my skin color, like, it, it, if, 
it it made me nervous. It made me insecure to a degree that I can't even describe. And I literally (laughs) remember my mom, you know, walking. There's a grocery store that was like right down the street from us and walking and, um, you know, going into the store and, you know, men calling her ugly names and like again all these things that stick out that if you think of I don't think that people think that I don't know I I don't know why people don't think it happens but it does and it still does happen um but we're very lucky to live in a time where people are just more aware of it and we hope that it doesn't but growing up in that during that time in that town um it was very very like prominent like that was not something especially in the schools and that's what impacted me the most um I remember um being a high schooler like I grew up near a really nice university that I chose not to go to or even want to try to get into because of the fact that I didn't I no longer wanted to be a minority I wanted to be in a place where I could understand who I was which is why I chose to move closer into in an area close to Austin and, and San Antonio so that I could explore and see what it was to not feel like I had to wear sunblock three inches thick so I didn't get so dark during the summer that I got called names when I came back to school. Like, I, I mean, that is a complete reality. That was my summer. Like, I was an outside kid, and I was so afraid to get so dark that when I came to school the next year that I would get called names because it inevitably happened every year until I was in high school, you know, even in junior high, you know? So, so, um, and, and, and why I say that this changed, changed me because it did with every bad thing or things that happen, there's a silver lining. There's something that happens from that. And, I, it made me a very local person. It made me not afraid to challenge um, and ask questions where before I hadn't. I mean, it took some time, but eventually I got a voice and I was like, um, you know, you don't call us names. You don't treat my mother this way. Like, you don't talk to my family this way. Um, you don't pick that kid over my brother when he should be on the starting lineup. Right. You know, like, I ended up becoming quite vocal <laughs> about many things yeah. because I felt like, and it, I mean, that's just the way it was. And it also pushed me, that that experience pushed me out of the town I grew up. Now, my town that I grew up in is a lot different now, like a lot different. And it was already, I will never say that I they're on the opposite end of that. I had amazing people, amazing role models, um, amazing teachers. Um, but I had, a, I mean, it's, it would be that those incidences of experiencing racism, and, you know, as a fourth grader really? through did change and impact my life um, and did make me um, very cautious and wary and also made me say, I need to see what else is out in this world and see if it's like this everywhere. Because if it is, 
oh my gosh, you know, but if it isn't, heck yeah, like, okay, then things can change, and things have, and I think things have gotten a lot better in all those areas um, in Texas, but there's still places, and I mean, that are, that it's still, you know, very much alive and still exists, as we all know, as we see on the news, Um, but yeah, I mean, I, um, yeah, I mean, we're, I think there was like maybe six Hispanic families um, in that at the time when we first moved there um, that had lived in that area for a while too, um, and that was it. Um, and then, and and now it's grown since then. But um, but when we moved there, no, it wasn't that way at all. And um, and even I even remember stuff in church, like these people were. In church, passing out communion. You oh know? my goodness! And um, I'd hear, I'll never forget a specific. Where, you know, we had like a rectory and then a downstairs area mm-hmm. for everyone to congregate after church. And um, there was one particular, like he was a Eucharistic minister in his family, like that just was like they're they are not allowed. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy, but you know, so. Yeah, and that's changed a lot too. But I mean, it's just the way it was. I mean, you guys, I'm forty, so it's not like this was like in 1950. Yeah, it was in the 80s, people. The 90s, you know, when segregation was very much over by then. Um, But it happens. It happened to me. I, I, like I said, it. um, It's why I'm so fiery now. Why you so passionate? Yeah. Why I'm so passionate now? And you know, I'm I am in a interracial relationship. Yeah. You know, my children are half and half. You know, and we talk about um, they know no colors. I mean, my goodness, they have a great grandmother who's full blood Japanese. Like my kids are growing up in a world completely different. Um, we live in a state where you know we live in an area where, where yeah. there's not a lot of brown people like me. You know. Yeah. Um, but it's just different. Yeah. You know, so I'm glad that they're, you know, we do talk about it. Because um, I want them to be aware that, you know, that's out there. But I feel very blessed that they haven't had to experience the things that I did. Yeah. As a kid. That's, I mean, it's sad, but I feel like, like you said, bringing more awareness. Yeah, I don't think it's. You know, I didn't even want to bring it up because there's so much craziness in the um, world nowadays around this. I think it's really diluted the real issue. Yeah. The real issues. And honestly, there's a real easy solution for this. And that is love. Yeah. Just straight up love. Love thy neighbor. You know, love. Like, honestly, honestly, it, it's not hard. It's not and um, why I survived and got through some of the really bad things that I'm not sharing on this pod is because there was that one teacher who, you know, encouraged me to write, right. which is something that comes in with me that saw something in me and took me to a leadership conference when I was in, you know, sixth grade who believed, believed in me. I had an amazing cross country coach who, who saw no color, treated me like, his his own you know there are so many other good things my very best friend you know 
um, family, parents never, ever made an issue of me being Hispanic and her being white. Like that just, so there was all of these counterbalances where when I might've been feeling really insecure about myself, then something came along the way that showed me otherwise. Um, but it's love. It's because yeah. those people were great people, and they love unconditionally. And I just think that people make it all complicated, and it's all this stuff. Well, God bless America. If you just <laughs> led through with that, then honestly, it would be done. Right. Like, yeah, it is pretty simple, but I guess for others, that's complicated. It's because words get in the way. I feel like it's words, you know? Yeah. Just. Yeah. Yeah, well, because words hurt. Yes. I mean, this those kids didn't hit me, punch me, mm-hmm. kick me. No. Nope. Or my brother. They just said ugly words and called yeah. us ugly words, which I know that they didn't know what they meant, but they heard them, and they yeah. heard them used in a derogatory way, and knew they applied to me and my brother. And um, that's the part that's bad, yeah. you know? Yeah. But you're right. It is words. The good, the bad, and the ugly of them, so... Mm-hmm. But, you know, here we are. Here we are. Today. I mean, like I think you said too, the positive part of it is that I definitely took from it and, mm-hmm. you know, applied the rest of it. And I talk about it um, sometimes when I see things that make me really frustrated, especially mm-hmm. about the school system. Right. Because I felt like it in, it was unfair sometimes. And I think anyone would say that everyone wants their kids to be successful and succeed. Um, but there was just some times where that if you weren't, you know, small town, didn't know who they didn't, you know, you weren't the right last name. Mm-hmm. And that usually was by, you know, nationality. Right. Then um, you may not have been given the same opportunity. Yeah. So, but there's so many of us. Who I see now, I'm super proud of, like that we're in that group with me that are doctors and doing all these amazing things inside. Right. Hey, you know what? You just have to overcome. Yep. So. Push through. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, here we are. Jen and Andrea. Jen and Andrea. Andrea and Jen. <laughs> so, you see, we're happy, serious. Yes. Yes. Lots of story. Intense. In, yeah. Seriously intense. Yes. We want to change the world. Happy birthday, Jen. Oh, thank you. Here I am, 36. 36. I'm going to call my, my doctor. Yeah. <laughs> get my tatas checked. Yeah, get your, everyone get your tatas checked. Everyone have love, give love. Yes. Everyone um, remember that words can hurt and can stick with you even yep. when you're 40. Mm-hmm. And they were said when you were nine. Yeah. Um, that... I feel like we have had a core theme that family we've we've had lots of pods where we noticed that our greatest like times come from our family yeah it's interest interesting but yeah. now you know us well I feel like that leads into our like yeah. no where yeah. it's like if those are the things we're remembering those are going to be the things that our kids remember yeah so yeah so we always leave you guys at the end of the pod with, you know, something to remember to, you know, hashtag lighten up. And like Jen said, um, give your time this week to your family with no, no interruptions. interruptions. 
No interruptions. Like, at Put all. your phone down. Yeah. <laughs> Full attention. Full attention. Eye contact. Yep. Um, don't make them say, Mom, Mom. You know, like, full eye contact. Mm -hmm. Do that this week, and hopefully your kids, our kids, will have the same kind of memories that we have and we've been thinking about that we have with our family right. at their ages. All right. Time All right. for me to have a party. Yeah. <laughs> it's time for Jim to go party. Yeah. <laughs> go party. Yeah. Thanks, you guys, so much for joining and listening.